Thanks for tuning into this week's podcast. If you'd like to know more about our ministry, you can check us out on the web at hillsideassembly.org. You're about to hear a message from our current message series, and I hope you open your heart and mind to hear a word from God today. I'm so glad that you're here today. How many of you have a full belly? Awesome. Well, get ready because we're about to fill your spirits today as well. Amen? Look, last week we had talked about the fact that Jesus fed the 5,000. He, he understood that if you feed people practically, if you serve them, if you step in, if you meet a physical need, it opens up an opportunity for you to be able to feed people spiritually. And I believe today God wants to speak to your heart. We're going to have an amazing day. It's Patriots Day. We're going to take a time in our service a little bit later uh, to just remember uh, 9-11 and uh, those who lost their lives, and those who serve our country today in many different ways. So we will do that a little bit later. If you're a guest with us, my name is Eric. I am the lead pastor here. We're so grateful that you're here today. A little different having service downstairs. At the end of service, if you want to partake in the offering, you can. Our giving box is right underneath the clock. Uh, One of us will pray at the end of service, and you can give up your tithes and offerings there. I have just a couple of announcements I want to share with you because we've got a packed service this morning. Uh, the first one is, is we had planned to have a worship team meeting today. Uh, there's so much going on. We've already done so much this morning. We still have cleanup after service. We're going to move that worship team meeting because I want to give our worship team the very best. And uh, so we'll move that to October 9th, Sunday, October 9th. We'll meet as a worship team and uh, have our meeting. I'm looking forward to, to getting together with all of our worship team members. Uh, next Saturday is a big day. See, we fed you today so you'd have the energy for next, next weekend because we are going to serve our city. Amen? Amen. Uh, September Fest is going to be an awesome opportunity. I met with Mandy several times this week to discuss uh, where things were at with September Fest. Uh, it does currently have rain in the forecast next Saturday, but a lot can change between now and then. Uh, if you're serving with Miss Jackie, the good news is, is we're taking all our tents and pop-ups. You're going to stay nice and dry, and you'll probably have opportunities to rub shoulders with a lot of people. Uh, so uh, we're going to have an action-packed full day. There is a lot going on that day. Rather than have me explain all that again, uh, who has, do you have notes and a bulletin? You should have two sheets of paper this morning. Great. On the back of your notes is everything about September Fest that you need to know. Uh, the different times that we have, the different places we're all right, here at the city. And, and if somebody asks you, well, what church are you from, or where is Hillside at? We have business cards that we will have available. Jackie will have those, and I'll have them as well. We'll give them to everybody that day that's serving. And you can just really simply go, hey, here's our church. We'd love for you to come check it out. And, and obviously, if, if conversations and, and things evolve and you're able to share Jesus, that's great. Um, that's the end goal, right, is what we want to do. What we're really trying to do at this event is to show our city we care and love them. And we'll talk more about that in our, in our service today. So September 17th, uh, please come out, serve, walk, pray. Just rub shoulders with our community. Let them know that, that, that there's people in this community that love them and want to bring our community together. Uh, and then I'm going to ask uh, my friend Jairo Granados if he would come up really quickly. Uh, how many of us, do you, if, you, if you've been here at Hillside any length of time, I think you know we love missions. Amen. How about last week, able to uh, finish out Emma Lurvey, so she is fully funded uh, for the college campus. We've had an awesome time with her. She's been obviously out of the church this week. Uh, so excited. Every time I see her, she starts tearing up when she starts talking about last Sunday. Uh, it's not our goal to make missionaries cry every, every week, 
Um, but, uh, you know, when it's a joyful thing, that's okay. Uh, one of the things that we like to do uh, is be able to have mission opportunities for you, just not to give, but also the opportunity to serve. And we realize not everybody can go on a missions trip long term or, or fly to another destination. Uh, but we wanted to provide an opportunity that we call one day missions experiences. And uh, Hiro is going to share about one that is coming up in the very near future. Yes, uh, Pastor. Uh, October 8th, please mark it on your calendar. Uh, we're going again to City on a Hill. It's, um, it's a branch of the Church of the um, Assemblies of God, but they work with many different denominations to serve the impoverished communities in Milwaukee. So October 8th, which is uh, basically a month from yesterday, uh, we need two types of people, people who are ab uh, able and willing to work uh, for the uh, health clinic uh, in any capacity. You can be a greeter. If you're a nurse, that would be wonderful. You don't need to be medically certified, right? Um, and uh, there's many. Some of us work in the cafeteria, um, you know, preparing lunches, serving lunches, welcoming people, greeting them, uh, making them feel, uh, you know, appreciated and welcome. Uh, a lot of these people are either homeless or people who transition in that community uh, because there's a big turnaround of uh, housing. People get evicted. Uh, they don't have the resources and such. Uh, so that's a great opportunity to serve them and to expose them to the gospel. Uh, we also need, um, it, cannot, it, it can be men or women, people who are able to work on a special project that will be assigned to us uh, I don't know exactly what it is, but it could be painting or repairing. Uh, we are, they are in, in, in need of an electrician. So if anybody knows anybody who is, has expertise in that area, uh, please have them contact me. So you can contact me. Can I share my phone number really quickly, Pastor? Okay, my phone number, you can text me if you're interested, please. 920 uh, 920-229-3650. Five zero. Thank you. Out in an email uh, as well this next week, uh, so that you can contact Hiro if you have any questions. But thank you, Hiro, for being willing to lead our endeavors there to help City on a Hill. When he goes, hey, you can help with the medical clinic. You don't have to have any experience. All of a sudden, I thought about those Motel Eight commercials. Do you remember those? It's like we need a heart surgeon. It's okay. I stayed in a Motel Eight last night. Um, I'm just kidding. No, we want we want people to be able to serve in various capacities. I'm going to ask you to do this. If you're able to stand, would you stand to your feet? Because we're about to worship the king today. And he is here. Jesus is here. He's ready to meet with you. I know it's a different format, having service at tables. But you know what? The king is with us today. We thank you, God, for the opportunity with incredible people, a new phase, and to go to places we've never gone before as a church. Lord, that's exciting. Lord, we want to spend time with you today. Lord, we come into this place, and maybe we come with a, a heart that's heavy. Maybe we came into this place and, and, and we're exhausted. Lord, maybe we came in with our own agenda of what's going to happen over this next week. But Lord, for the moment right now, what we need to do is just surrender. Because you are in the room. And God, we want to worship you with spirit and truth. We want to let go of our preconceived ideas and just grab a hold and spend time with the King. Lord, I pray that your spirit would move in this place in powerful ways today, that you would encourage people's minds and hearts, that you would meet physical, emotional, and financial needs in incredible ways. 
Lord, we thank you that we get an opportunity to be the church this morning. We give you praise, glory, and honor, and God's people said, let's worship together this morning. Is anybody awake today? You know, you might have come in a little earlier than usual, you know, might be a little groggy. Just just had a nice meal, but we're going to try to wake you up today, so we're going to play wake.
We're going to do a quick little switch around up here. Uh, Got to invite a few people up here. Owen and special guest Elena will be singing with us on this next one. We're going to sing Oceans here. So sing along with us.
that might be new to some of you. Um, this one, next one's called Oh God Forgive Us, and I think it's uh, something I am constantly needing to say, and I think a lot of us are. And um, Yeah, it's just a good song for us to surrender ourselves to God. Um, we know that we don't always trust him. We don't always know that he's there, but this song um, is asking for him to let us know that and to forgive us for when we doubt that. Help us with our unbelief, oh 
We on? There we go. Twenty-one years ago today, September 11, 2001, is the day we now refer, refer to as 9-11. For those of us that were alive at that time and old enough to remember, we woke up, it was, uh, we'd probably consider an average day, got up, took a shower, brushed your teeth, ate breakfast probably somewhere in there, got ready, went to work, went to school. While this day started out to be anything but just a regular, typical day, everything quickly changed. Some of you can remember the events, how they unfolded. The shock, uh, a culture shift for us. Probably the only other time in our nation's history that would be similar would be the attack on Pearl Harbor, where we then engaged in World War II. And we didn't know what happened. It was like all of a sudden we were glued. Planes crashed across the country, uh, unsure what would happen next. And even as we went to bed that night, we weren't sure what the next days would bring. This morning, I'd just like to go over a quick timeline of that morning. Obviously, this does not include everything that transpired that morning. But at 7.59 a.m., American Flight 11 took off from Boston Logan International Airport, bound for Los Angeles International Airport. At 8.14 a.m., Flight 11 is hijacked. 
At 8.14 a.m., United Flight 175 takes off from Boston Logan, also bound for Los Angeles. At 8.20 a.m., American Airlines 77 takes off from Washington Dulles International Airport, and also bound for Los Angeles. 8.42, Flight 93 takes off from Newark International Airport, bound for San Francisco. And at that, almost that same time, Flight 175 has been hijacked. At 8.46, we saw the tragic events as Flight 11 crashed in the North Tower of the World Trade Center, something unlike anything we had ever seen. At first, people thought that it was a small, personal aircraft that had crashed into the building, thinking it was possibly pilot error or perhaps a suicide. At 8.54, Flight 77 is then hijacked. Flight, at 9.03, Flight 175 crashes into the South Tower, and it is apparent at this moment in time that something else sinister has began to happen. At, eight, at 9.28, Flight 93 is then hijacked. At 9.37, Flight 77 crashes into our Pentagon. At this point in time, all air traffic is under the control of the United States Air Force. Fighter jets are dispatched across the country. At 9.59, the South Tower collapses. And one of the most horrific things that we have ever watched in our country's history unfolded. At 10.03 a.m. on Flight 93, a brave group of passengers has realized that their flight has been hijacked and what is going on and what has happened to the other planes. In a brave attempt, these passengers try to overtake the aircraft from the hijackers. The plane then crashes into a field in Shanksville, Pennsylvania. And finally, at 10.28 a.m., the North Tower would collapse. In all in all, in less than two and a half hours, this all transpired and everything changed. A total of 2,977 people lost their lives in this tragic event. And while it was absolutely horrific, let us also remember the brave first responders that rushed into danger. Police officers, firefighters, paramedics, all rushed into danger not knowing what would come next. Bystanders became heroes that day. In the days that would follow, we would see a unity in our country it seems to have been forgotten by most. Maybe sometimes out of tragedy, great things can transpire. This morning, we're uncertain what tomorrow will bring. And sometimes we lull ourselves into a false security. But we need to remember that Jesus is our absolute security. And our everlasting home is not here. But what awaits us on the other side in heaven with Jesus. Until then, let us not forget those who have given their lives, those who serve our country well, and those who serve the kingdom well. I'm going to ask John Schultz if he would come. Good morning. In our distress, we come quickly to you. The shock and horror of that tragic day have subsided replaced now with an emptiness, a longing for an innocence lost. 
We come today remembering those who lost their lives in New York, Washington, D.C., and Pennsylvania. We are mindful of the sacrifice of public servants who demonstrated the greatest love of all by lay laying down their lives for friends. And we celebrate their gifts to a fallen hum humanity. We come remembering and we come in hope, not in ourselves, but in you. As the foundations we once thought secure have been shaken, we are reminded of the illusion of security in ourselves. The only true security we can have is in you. In commemorating this tragedy, we give you thanks for your presence in our time of need, and we seek to worship you in spirit and in truth, our guide and our guardian. Amen. For just a moment, can we have a, just a moment of silence to remember those who passed away that day and those that served so diligently in the aftermath? I've asked Aaron to lead us in one last song this morning. You don't have to stand, but if uh, you feel so led, would you, would you join us in this last worship song?
we transition to the preaching of your word this morning, God, I pray that we would sense your presence speaking to us. You would challenge us in our hearts, minds, and spirits. Lord, we pray this morning for the realization we need you more in our life. Lord, we want to go where you are calling us, both as a church, but individually and families. God, we want to be who you are calling us to be. And we want to draw close to you. Lord, I believe that you're about to speak to our hearts, challenge our minds, and we'll leave this place encouraged, believing, God, that, Lord, you are for us, that you're doing something great within us, and that, God, you have called us to victory in our community, our campuses, in our workplaces, in the marketplace. We give you praise, glory, and honor, and God's people said, amen, amen. Worship team, phenomenal job this morning. Elena, bonus points to you today for doing such a good job on the worship team. I was a little concerned. I saw this drum set and I thought, oh my goodness, we, we should not have thrown it in the dryer because it shrunk. Um, but great job, Tyler. Great to have you with us today. Um, this morning, I want to talk about changing the mindset, mindset of discipleship. Changing the mindset of discipleship. We're on a journey as a church. Um, really, things began to really change for us a couple of years ago. Um, we talking, was talking with some people this week and several different conversations. And it's interesting that sometimes it's the things that challenge you, it's the things that are hard, the things that press you, that bring out the good or the bad in your life. And I believe there are some things that, under the pressure we were in over the last couple of years, God used to refine us, to change the direction and course, and to set us up for something new. We began to prioritize preaching the word effectively and reaching our community for Christ. And that's still the priority. That's still the mission. But now God is beginning to stretch us into phase two. In few, just a few weeks, we will launch a brand new message series in the book of Acts, which I'm very excited to begin to share with you. And this message really preps us for where that mess- those messages will take us. The importance of discipleship in our life. It's interesting that today would be Patriots Day. 21 years ago, a small group of individuals gathered together with a mindset of causing absolute 
total carnage and chaos. They were sold out to the mission. They had been discipled for a mission of destruction. They believed in what they were doing wholeheartedly, so much so that they would give their lives. God wants a church that's discipled. And that brings discipleship gospel and assists. And the question is, is why is discipleship important for us today? Well, it's important for us today because it's what Jesus did. That's how Jesus did ministry. It was discipleship. Today, it's the purpose of the church to be building discipleship, be building disciples. It's not building bigger programs or, or bigger buildings. Sometimes we think that's what it's all about. Develop a program that everybody can go through and work and all this kind of thing. And, and I'm not against programs. I'm not against buildings. I'm glad we're not outside today because it was wet cooking French toast. Thank goodness for our pop-up tents. The purpose of the church is about making disciples. Discipleship is the main calling of the church. Look in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. It says this, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers, to equip his people for the work of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity and faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. There's not an expiration date for that promise. And we have not reached our quota. God, okay, well, sorry, we're all full. There's no more breakfast to be had. I'm sorry if you came late, you're not, you can't be a part of the church. No. The church is meant to be continually growing until Jesus calls us home. You're meant to grow as a disciple until Jesus calls you home. We don't arrive on this plane of existence. We don't arrive until we show up at the pearly gates. We grow until then, and we are to bring people along. We're to bring new believers into the church as part of the church family. You should be continuing, continually being discipled and making disciples. We're going to be known for making disciples. We get confused because we think about the world and the church in some ways that probably are not healthy for us and in ways that, that are not the way that God expected us to interact as the church and the world. Here's how we typically think about our church relationship with the world. We go, okay, the world's over there. The church is over here. We're going to call the world into the church. So they're going to they're come to church, and then we're going to have all sorts of stuff for them. We're going to have, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to invite them in and we're going to, we're going to celebrate with them and we're going to, we're going to give them the church t-shirt and we're going to give them the church coffee mug right here. All right. So Anthony made this last night for us. Here's the church coffee mug. So welcome to our church. We're glad you're here. There's your coffee mug. You got the t-shirt. Those are coming in a couple of weeks. We get the baseball cap on. We're good to go. And then we, we start getting you involved in programs and we're so excited that, 
that you're here, be a part of our program, and then, oh, we're going to teach you all these new songs, and you get to sing with us, we all get to sing, and that's great, and that's awesome, and then uh, we're going to make you, uh, we give you a new language, both maybe spiritual language, but also churchinese, and so all these words that you don't know, you're going to be able to know, and we're going to talk about anointing and holiness, and none of those things are bad. But that's what we do. We, we, we give you all this, and then we're like, hey, and then you know what? We think that you're ready for church leadership. We're going to develop you church leadership. We're going to give you a job. Here's your job description. And then we ask you to go back in the world on Monday, and you're clueless on what to do. You know how to survive in the church building, but we don't know how to survive in the world. And that's a lot of church culture, what we have done, is we've said, come in, we're going to teach you how to function just in this group of people. And then you go back into the world. And the problem with that is when you have no idea how to relate, no idea how, what to do, you view the church as one day a week. We're the to come together on Sunday, be together, to express together, to share testimonies with one another, and, and, and to then to get refocused on what God's going to do with us this next week. Add some more Legos to the build, house that God's building, and then we go out and we're able to put it into action the next few weeks. Here's a more biblical model of what it should look like. Instead of saying, hey, the world come into the church, this is what it should look like, the church going out into the world and making disciples. You're like, well, that doesn't sound biblical to me, Pastor Eric. Well, that's what Jesus said. <laughs> so uh, look at what he said in Matthew 18, uh, 18 through 20. All authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. So we're told to go make disciples. The last thing Jesus said to the apostles was go make disciples of who? All nations. Jesus never said, bring them in. Jesus said, the church needs to go out. The church has to go out. The church should be about going out into the world. It's not about people fulfilling the destiny of Hillside Assembly. It's not about people fulfilling the destiny of, of a church building or program or organization. It is about the church helping people find their destiny in Christ. We've been working it backwards in church culture for a while. We've got to help people find their destiny. We've got to equip people to make a difference in their world. And as your pastor, I need to equip you to make a difference in your world. Because God is calling you, church. Discipleship is not a, a, a one-size-fits-all thing. It's just not. Look at how Jesus did it. Discipleship needs to be creative, collaborative, and customized. It's something that needs to be breathing, living, a part of our life. Sometimes we get stuck thinking discipleship is just about attending something. It's just about reading something. Discipleship is so much more than that. Look, and I am totally on board for Bible studies, all right? So everybody's like, pastor's going to stop all the Bible studies in the church. No, no, I want Bible studies. 
And, and I want grow groups. And I want these things because there's opportunity. We'll get into more how this all ties together. But, but there's more to it than that. And discipleship isn't neat and clean. It's messy. How many of you saw us grilling French toast out there on that Blackstone? None of you saw me cleaning it afterwards, man. That thing looked like it had an egg bath. There was egg everywhere on this thing, everywhere. Because guess what? Making breakfast is messy. Guess what? Discipleship is messy. Discipleship is much, much less, it's, much, it's not as much the fact of attending a class. It's much more about you sharing your life with others. It's the scriptures coming to life. Discipleship is messy. It's, discipleship is the place where, where the, the biblical reality takes root in our life. It's where things begin to grow. It, it's where the soil gets tilled up in our life and in the lives of others. That's real discipleship. Discipleship is, is in the daily life, the daily routine of community. Discipleship does not happen without community. It doesn't happen. I don't have the statistics on me. I read them Wednesday night at our Bible study. Pastors fast enough, not even close. From a recent study that was taken at a Christian university in Arizona that was a worldwide study, they found 33% of our pastors don't believe in absolute morality. 33% of our pastors don't believe that the word is the inspired word of God. 33% of our pastors don't believe that that, that there's absolute truth, but that you make your own truth? Guys, we need discipleship. <laughs> we need discipleship. Look, I cannot save this city. First off, I'm not a savior. But I cannot disciple this entire community. But the church can disciple this entire community. It, the vision has to be bigger than a single individual or just a few key people. It has to be the church as a whole. We need community in discipleship. It's not looking at people in our life like, hey, this is my small group. It's beginning to look at people like, this is my family. Guys, I love you. This is my family. This is my family. Now, don't get me wrong. My wife and my daughter, they're my family. But this is my family. We do life with you. There's not two sides to me. This is it. What you see here, this is me. This is me at home. This is me in, in, in the community. This is, I don't wear these different hats, different personalities. That would really be messy if I ever got that wrong. I mean, I'm, that's too complicated. I'm just me. You're my family. Because when we view each other as family, we begin to treat people differently. We begin to listen to them. And we need to start listening to the people we're doing life with. We need to listen to their story so that we can connect them to the greatest story of all time. Point number two, I don't have a really smooth transition, sorry. What if evangelism and discipleship are the same thing? They're not different things. We, we love, especially in modern culture in the last 
hundred years especially, but maybe even longer than that, we, we began to just, we began to label everything. And, and it, we, we did that way before that. I mean, it's human nature to label things, name things. But so much more so in, in the culture we live in today, we, we, we need everything labeled and organized. And look, I like things organized, I do. And everything has to have its place. I don't know, have any of you guys ever been to uh, Mall of America? There, there are two stores there. How many of you have ever been to the Crayola, Crayola store? Like, it's ridiculous. They have just these huge bins of crayons, but all the crayons are like colored bins, like all the purple, whatever it is. Marshmallow white has to be in this color. And then they're like, I didn't know there were so many different colors available, but it's like crazy. Or if you go to the Lego store, um, they used to, used to be able to buy Legos like pieces, and they have them all designated in different color bins. I mean, it's, it's crazy, and I'm glad they're in bins and not on my floor. If you've ever had kids, you know that's not good. Um, not, a lot of Legos have been vacuumed up by vacuums. And I think what we've tried to do is, is if you thought about the church, I think what we've tried to do is we've tried to organize everything into color categories. And, and we did that to try to explain it and try to make it simple for people to get a hold of, and that's not a bad thing. So we have all these silos, right? And, and so I think we got a picture of it here. And, and there's five functions that the church should have to be healthy, worship, serving, fellowship, discipleship, evangelism. And so we've got these silos, and we, we, we say, we, okay, here's the silos, and here's the silos, and here's the silos. But, but a lot of this overlaps, and we know this. The primary purpose of the gospel is to bring people to done as we Evangelism was like the ugly child. No, 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 wait. We've got to put that at the very front of the thing. Like, sharing Jesus is the most important thing about our relationship with Christ, is we have this incredible gift with our Savior, we want to give that away. And so we have all these silos, and when it comes to discipleship, we're thinking discipleship is its own silo, but i got to tell you, the early church did not look at it that way. The scripture I just read to you, where Jesus, the last thing he said to the disciples was, go make, what? Disciples. We use that one verse to talk about evangelism. <laughs> Jesus is talking about discipleship. Because I believe they're the same thing. And the early church saw it that way. In fact, it looks a lot more like this. You pour all the evangelism and discipleship into one can, and it begins to be something different, more effective, more powerful. Because not only, it's not just about somebody saying, Yes, I, I, I'll accept Christ. It's about somebody engaging in a relationship with Christ and growing and moving and going forward with Christ. Don't get me wrong. I celebrate when somebody raises their hand. We pray for them. They accept Christ. That's awesome. I want more for them than just one moment in time. I want to be going on a journey with them for life because Jesus is on our, our, our life journey with us for life, Right? And so we want that kind of experience for others. So kind of look at it this way. It's like we take discipleship and evangelism and we think about it, and really it's like a quarter. It's like some of us look at it and we're like, no, discipleship is this. We're like, no, 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 it's got to, the other side is, and evangelism is this. And, and the fact is, is they're the same thing. It's just two sides of the coin. And we can do them both at the same time. In fact, I believe discipleship starts before somebody is ever brought into the kingdom of God. Because they have to hear the word of God to respond to it. Right? 
That's already discipleship. You'd be like, what does this look like in real life, Pastor? Could you share with us real life? Yes, absolutely. I don't know if you were thinking that, but I was thinking that. So I want to share it with you. These, this couple is an amazing couple. This is John Mark and Sarah Shepard. I met them just a few weeks ago. Now, Sarah is a former student of Hyros, and she went on a missions trip with this church. Uh, I believe with Hyro and Mike and Nancy, you may have been on that trip as well. Um, she says that's the moment everything changed for her. Changed. Hyro invited her on this trip. I think she was a senior, wasn't she, when she went with you, graduating? Went, went that summer with our church. And she said, I had sat in church services, I had done all this thing. But she said, the people from Hillside began to show me that salvation is not about my good works and that I need Jesus in my life. And she goes, everything changed for me. She began on this crazy, crazy thing, and her and her husband are now missionaries and serving in incredible ways. i got to find where this is in my notes so I don't get lost. There it is, Liberia. And they live among Muslim people. And John Mark has been doing this almost his entire life, living with Muslim people. And it's incredible. And we got together and talked about their story. And we'll, we'll have a video of them uh, on our next uh, mission Sunday. They'll be our missionaries that we're highlighting. For years, they lived among the Muslim people. And they've got some great projects that they're doing, they're working with people, doing things. But one of the things John Mark and a crew that he has put together are doing is they're translating the gospel and the Bible into the language of these, this particular Muslim group. They've been working on it for a long time. They just recently finished the New Testament. Muslim leader, and he said, we've now taken the New Testament, the Muslim language, and I can't remember what it is, English, and so we're wondering if we could, or not English, into, into the, uh, the Muslim language, and I can't remember what it is that the, the group speaks right there. Um, and he said, is, is there any way we could have a building to do that? And the imam said, yes, but you can't do it in this small town. I want you to come to a larger city, and we'll have a building ready for you. He didn't know much details, but they were excited. Now, remember, they have lived among these people. They eat with these people. Sarah says that these women are her best friends. Though they are far apart when it comes to sometimes things about Jesus or what they believe in some areas, there is a close-knit relationship. John Mark and the men in this community, he's like, they would live and, and, and die for each other. That's the kind of relationship that they have. It's family. That's a crazy thing for some of us to think about. But they go and they show up on this day where they're supposed to have this celebration. They get to this city, and here is the imam and all the city officials, and they've got a giant band with all these drums, and they do a parade through the city <laughs> with John Mark holding the New Testament in their language. And he's like, I'm not sure how this is all going to go down. <laughs> And they get to, this, they get to this, this place, and they have it all set up, and there's like this banquet hall, and they've got it all set up, and it's all you know, done up, and they're all celebrating, and there's a whole celebration. And then John Mark gets to hand over the New Testament to the imam, and he thinks, okay, they're just going to get us in, in here and out of here, and we're good. And the imam gets up to give a speech, and he thanks John Mark and Sarah. And he says, you have given us light and while my generation is shortly to pass, 
our kids will not only have a book in their own language, but they will have something to direct their life and give them direction. How is that possible? Because discipleship was happening before conversion. As we began to talk, they said, you know what? We may show up in heaven one day. This entire community might be saved, but they're just not sharing with each other. He goes, because it kind of blew us away. This happened just before they came back on furlough. And they were like, we're really not sure where people are at with Jesus yet. We've got to figure this thing out because we might already have a community that's a church and they just don't know yet they're a church. That's an incredible story about discipleship happening. And they're on the road of seeing people give their lives to Jesus, not in one-time event, but for their lifetime. And that is amazing. We're going to close today with this. So much of the time we think discipleship is, we think of it in the terms of addition. I've got to add all these things to my life. I think that it's not so much about addition. And there are times where we need to add things to our life, and there's times in our life we need to let some things go. We can't always be piling stuff on top of the plate. I know, I saw some of you at breakfast, all right? You wanted more on your plate. There was no more room, so you had to choose what was going to get left off the plate. It's that way in our life. We cannot continually keep adding things to the plate and go just more and more and more and more. That's not healthy, and it makes a mess because that stuff begins to fall off our plate. That's not what God wants for us. So we got to stop thinking necessarily in the mind of discipleship is all about additional Discipleship is much more about being intentional. So I want to give you six things this morning that all of you can do in your life that shouldn't add very much to your schedule, but it's being intentional with your schedule, with your calendar. Are you ready? Okay, we're going to go through these, and then we're going to be done. Aaron, get ready to come back up. Number one, know the story. Know the story. Personally, know the story. We have to know the story of God. We have to be a part of God's story. We've got to know the story to be a part of the story. And, and some of us grew up and we were told a different story by our parents or coworkers or, or the people worry about our lives. Time to get the story, time in devotions and prayer. Okay, you might need to add a few things to your, to your, to your calendar because spending time with God, it's not a burden, it's a blessing. And spending time with God sets us up for success in our life day by day by day. Because as much as, as, as you might like to have me just in your pocket, you could bring it up and just I can have my pastor for the day, uh, I can't go with you everywhere. But Jesus and the Holy Spirit absolutely can. And that's what God wants. He wants to go with you everywhere. So you've got to know the story. And if we're going to be disciple makers... We need to grow in God's story. That's what Sunday mornings, Bible studies, grow groups are all about, personal devotions. And by the way, on Sunday mornings, guess what? You're already coming to church at 10 a.m., and I've proved today that you can show up at church at 9 for breakfast. You can feed yourself physically. You're like, hey, there's a hand clap. Yes, food, more food. Yes, you come for food physically at 9 a.m. in two weeks, we're going to start grow groups for every different age group in our church. Come and get fed spiritually. And it's just not about just, hey, the Bible. It's about relationship building and the Bible. It's the first step in building some relationships and sharing Jesus and having some time to prep your heart. And then we're going to preach the word every Sunday. Amen? 
So there's great opportunities. Continue to get the story in your life. Number two is listen. First, listen to God. Listen to God. We have the greatest tools ever given to mankind. We've got the word of God, which tells us all about the things that God did and his character and the character of Jesus and how Jesus interacted with people and how he handled situations and and the story of how the gospel came into being up until this point. We've got that tool in our toolbox that should affect us, change us, transform us. But then God is so good, he gives us another gift in a relationship with the Holy Spirit that gives us the ability to begin to seek into the future and go, where may God take us? Where does God want to go? Where's the vision that he has for us and our community? And that's the power of the Holy Spirit giving us that vision. We're equipped, church, but we got to listen to God, listen to the Holy Spirit. And by the way, the word of God and the Holy Spirit, the message is always the same. If they're going in two different directions, it's not God. All right, we're going to make that really clear. Well, God, the Spirit told me to do this. If it goes against the Word of God, that's not, that's not Jesus, all right? But we also need to begin to start listening to the people we do life with. We need to listen to the community. Look, I'm Assemblies of God through and through. I'm a Pentecostal believer. I'm really good at speaking. Sometimes I'm not as good as listening. It's an area I'm stretching in, and we all could use help with that. We've got to listen to our community because when we listen to somebody's story, it shows that we care. Jesus took the time to listen to people in the community. The woman at the well, he listened. He listened before he spoke. He listened before he shared. We've got to be able to listen. Number three is celebrate. How many of you people celebrate? You came to breakfast this morning. Mike is not the only person celebrating here. All right? Get real. All right? And look, those of you filled with the Holy Spirit, you should be celebrating better than anybody else on the planet. All right? We celebrate. And listen, we don't need a great big, we don't need a keg to celebrate, and we don't need to take some powder or some pills to celebrate. We can have a great time. You know what I want people in our church or people in our community to say after next Saturday? Those people from the Hillside Church, they know how to party. Man, do they know how to party. I want to go hang out with them, because why? we got Jesus. We celebrate. And we just, we just, not just people in our family, but people in your workplace, people in the marketplace. Celebrate. Celebrate when somebody has a victory. Oh, they got a new job, or they got this or that. Celebrate. And celebration is an opportunity to come alongside of them, do life with them, and there's moments for discipleship to take place. So celebrate. The next one is bless. You are blessed. You got full bellies this morning. You should have full spirits. Jesus is with you. How many of you know Jesus Christ is your personal Savior? Okay, okay. Hopefully everybody's hand better be going up, all right? If not, we're going to take care of that in a minute. But listen, you're blessed, so be a blessing. What if you just asked the Spirit this week, and you did it every single week, Lord, show me three people that I can intentionally bless this week with rather word, action, or a gift. It's just not, we keep, we keep I don't know what it is. We like to throw money at everything. 
And listen, when God tells you to do that, we want to be cheerful givers. But sometimes God asks you just to send a word, an encouraging word. Sometimes it's as simple as like God brings somebody to your heart and you open up your phone and you just send a blessing in text. I did that this last week. I don't even remember who it was that I was texting. There was a few people. It was like God laid them on my heart. I was just like, hey, just letting you know you're doing an awesome job because that's what God asked me to do. I'm not, being, I'm not being foolish or idiotic or stupid. I believe that's what the God asked me to do. I'm going to do it. Who can you bless with a word? Who can you bless with an action? Your neighbor's outside raking leaves this fall. What if you grabbed your rake and went over with him? You're already out there doing it for your yard. Maybe he'll come over and help you with yours. And in the process, discipleship happens. You do life together. You begin to hear the story. You begin to answer questions. Bless somebody. The next one, eat. You all passed that class. <laughs> you eat. On average, every person in here eats 20, 21 times this week. This is a gimme. You are going to do this anyway. Every person in this place is going to eat this week. What if for one of those meals, what if for three of those meals this week, you just go, I'm going to be intentional, and who's somebody, who's a person at my workplace, who's a person in my neighborhood that I can have a meal with, and I can just build relationship with? You guys can do this. I mean, that's what Jesus did. He took a kid's happy meal, fed 5,000 people, discipleship time. <laughs> I'm like, be intentional. Be intentional. And the last one today is recreate, recreate. <laughs> Look, we need to rest in Christ, his completed work and what he's done for us. We create a place of value when we take time to rest. And we need to have time to recreate, to do some recreation. But some of those times can be places where God enables us to do some discipleship. And the places that are our passion and our hobbies can be a place where we can experience discipleship. This last Monday was a holiday. Several of you had it off. A group of four of us from here at the church decided we were going to go out and play disc golf. Only two of us are here this morning, and that's, that's Anthony and I. We went out with two other people from our church. And you know what happened? Not only did we have a great time playing disc golf, and by the way, I'm never going after one of your discs that goes off in the woods ever again, because I had... I has to had a thousand of these little green thistle things everywhere. That's not discipleship, all right? But what was discipleship is the conversations that took place. As people were talking about their kids and things, people watching these. It's awesome. Somebody else was sharing with me this week that they were at work and they're in a place that's uh, the language, the music that's listened to is not uplifting. You could imagine, we've all been there. But this individual has made a decision that they're going to play Christian music. And they've been doing it for a while. Finally, one of the, or the coworkers came over. Why, are you, why do you listen to that kind of music? And they go, well, here's the deal, man. When I listen to this, some of this other stuff, he goes, I just get angry. I get upset. And then I go home. I'm upset with my wife. I'm upset with people. But when I listen to this kind of music, I'm like, man, I feel good about myself. 
I feel good about the things that I'm doing. I feel if there's a possibility of hope. I like the people. I'm starting to feel like I like you more right, right now because I'm listening to this music. And they began to share that. This individual just began to ask questions. Like, do you go to church? Tell me about your church. What's going on? And this person just began to share. Discipleship. Didn't take any more time out of their day. They were already going to be at work. They were just doing what God had asked them to do. And we're doing life with other people. That's what God wants for us, church. But Aaron, if you would come back to the keys here. Discipleship needs to be creative, collaborative, and customized. I believe, church, we're going to equip you to go out into this world and make a difference. And starting today, we're going to be disciple makers. We're not, we're not just here to entertain ourselves. We're not here to sing songs. We're not just here to check off lists or to make ourselves feel good. We have, been, we have been loved on by an almighty, all-powerful Savior. He has done something in my life to change and transform me. And he's still in the process, and he's still in the process in your life. And I know that he's calling Hillside Assembly to be disciple-makers, to do life, to build community. We don't do it alone. We don't have to recreate some type of book. God's going to show us how to do it. We're going to go through the book of Acts together in the following weeks, and God's going to take us on this incredible journey, and he's going to show us how to become this church that emerges out of a culture of maybe selfishness, and it's all about us, to a church that's going to be, look, we we are going to just live for God, and we want to share God, and we want to do life with our community and be a blessing. Amen? I want to pray for you this morning as we get ready to close. And worship team, if you would come back up, I'm going to have you guys play, play another song here. Lord, as we close today, as we get ready to clean up this place and we get ready for the, this week, Lord, our mindset needs to change. Sometimes as a church, we've been selfish and we've made it all about us put ourselves at the center of the story the story is having you at the center and Lord it's about balance and, and it's not, not about being extreme it's, it's just about following you in obedience God you're calling us to be a church of disciple makers to be a disciple to allow ourselves to be discipled and disciple others by doing life and doing community Lord, I'm so excited about where you're taking us. Lord, we're going to get there one step at a time. We thank you for where you've already brought us. But the greatest things are still yet to come. There are more salvations to come. Lord, the DNA of our church, it needs to change over the next few years as new people come in to this place. Lord, we want this church to look different because we want different people here. We want to pack out your house, not so that we can check off something in missions. And most to the 17. Lord, help us to be disciples this week. Lord, as we get ready to go in to the 17, God, just to serve, to love on people. We're not going with an agenda. It's not about some checklist for our church. 
Lord, it's about building relationships with people in our community. It's about serving and showing them who Jesus is, with just not our words, but with action. And Lord, I believe you're opening up some tremendous doors of opportunity in our community. Lord, this is just the next step. Lord, help us to be where we need to be next week, to be able to say what we need to say, do what we need to do. Lord, that there might be some of those conversations where we're able to, 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 when people ask us about our church, to give them a card and go, hey, we'd love to see you come for service, 10 a.m., any Sunday. Lord, to, to, have, to just begin to disciple people in our community. Lord, we thank you so much. We give you praise, glory, and honor, and God's people said, We'll close in one more worship song, and then Aaron will pray over our offering. You can give in our giving box. As you leave today, we definitely could use your help cleaning up, because not only do we need to clean up, there's a whole bunch of stuff behind this wall. We kind of got to prep to go out the door for next Saturday. That would be a huge help if some of you could help us with that. Uh, We need to take our worship equipment back upstairs and uh, so much of that stuff. But also, there's some food. There's some leftovers. We'd love to be able to bless some of you with that. Uh, Some other people have brought vegetables and fruits, and I don't know what else. We're going to put all that out, but it all needs to go because otherwise the pastor has to eat it all, and I don't need any more food, okay? So, So be blessed. But can we do this? Can we stand to our feet one last time and worship before we leave here today? Yeah.
could come, that we could eat breakfast together, spend time together, and just be in your presence, hear your word, and what you have for us. God, I pray for the offering that you would bless it, that you would do with it many things, and that, um, yeah, you just continue with us throughout our weeks and, and stay with us. Bless us. Show us your way and how you would have us live. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, everyone. Have a great day. It was a surprise. So you catch me when I fall, right? And you hear